As is normally the case, when people get older, they don't hear as well. And I noticed this with my mother. Of course, in conversation, you pick it up. But when you're having to say, what was that? You have to repeat yourself. You should hear my mom and dad talk back and forth. It's, it's uh, kind of amusing. Anyway, so, so I'll go see my mom. She lives in Spokane. And uh, she uh, has her bedroom is downstairs. I sleep upstairs. And normally, I'm up considerably earlier than she is. And she has said recently, she says, oh, I just appreciate how quiet you are. I say, Mom, you just can't hear. That's a, um, some people, and sometimes people, can't hear. I read a, a story a few years ago about this old boy. He was, about, he was 70 and uh, had been pretty healthy all his life. And uh, eventually his wife or somebody talked him into getting a physical, so he went to the doctor. And uh, true story, and they checked his hearing. And the doctor looked in one of his ears and, and says, have you ever any problems hearing out of this ear? And the guy says, I've never been able to hear out of that ear. I can't remember that ear being a good ear. I've always heard out of the other ear. So the doctor dug and probed and pulled out a wad of gauze that had been in this guy's ear since he was seven. He'd had an earache as a little boy, and, you know, and he was treated uh, home remedy. And Evidently, just they kind of forgot about the gauze. He went 63 years without the use of one ear. Sometimes people can't hear. I played basketball one year with a guy who couldn't hear. I mean, he was actually just, a, he, was, he was deaf, couldn't hear. And I learned, he's a decent enough ball player, but what I learned was you want to make sure he's looking at you before you pass him the ball. <laughs> You know, there were one or two embarrassing mishaps on the floor. <laughs> Listening is important, and um, we'll be revisiting this theme, picking it up from last semester. Our listening is important. I want to remind you that probably the fundamental reason that is so is because God, God listens. I just think that is marvelous. You know, we say our prayers and we, you know, commune and communicate with God from time to time. And we never have to wonder if he's engaged because he hears well. And he doesn't sleep. Some people are light sleepers. Some people are heavy sleepers. But for the most part, hearing shuts down uh, during that time. God never slumbers nor sleeps. He's always attentive. He's always engaged. Now, there are theological links that we need to make, and one of them is the fact that if God uh, lives in us and he is attentive, then we should be growing, I would think, in that particular capacity. It, it reminds me of what Paul says in Philippians 2 in that famous passage about the, the emptying of Jesus, you know, prior to Philippians 2.5, where the, the text tells us that Jesus humbled himself and emptied himself, uh, Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And just prior to that, he's saying, consider others as more important than yourselves, kind of like Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God a thing to be clung to. So there, there is a connection. And it has to do with, I think, 
being others-oriented rather than being self-oriented. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, listening is important first because God listens, and we ought to be eternally glad that he does. Uh, no appointment necessary. It's amazing. Um, because of listening. Secondly, because listening is attractive for the gospel. If you're trying to share Christ with someone and they get the impression that you care more about yourself than you do about them, that's going to create a significant evangelistic barrier. Do you agree? Then say amen. Okay, just, just checking. You know, you're really not supposed to amen negative things. I'm sorry, I led you into that. Um, amen, even, yeah, I like that, even so be it. They say, well, I don't like that, so no, nonetheless. And third, because listening leads to deeper trust. Isn't that interesting? How the scripture tells us that faith or trust comes by hearing. Isn't that interesting? Probably because Groucho Marx was right when he said, well, one of the other brothers would say, I feel like a hot fudge sundae, Groucho says. That's funny, you don't look like a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> Looks can be deceiving. And that's true. Seeing is not necessarily believing. Seeing can be so powerfully subjective, but hearing has a more objective quality to it. And the Bible says it throughout Scripture, listen, 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 the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel. The fundamental command from God to his people. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is your God and the Lord is one and so forth. So um, listening does lead to deeper trust. What we want to talk about today, just briefly, that clock says it's noon. Let's pray. Um, yeah, Louise is correct. Oh, thanks, Ryan. That's good. We'll be done in about five minutes. Um, how do I know when I'm not listening? That, that's sort of where we want to take the conversation today a little bit. And remember that last fall we started this whole thing with, with, by introducing uh, Apollos, the New Testament character who was the Alexandrian Jew who was converted, but he didn't have all the information he, he needed. And when he was preaching and teaching, this pair of tent makers, one of them being a woman, took him aside and explained to him the way of the Lord more accurately. And I thought about this, what, and he listened. He listened and he learned then about the new covenant and about the Holy Spirit and about the amazing truths that you and I, because we're in Bible college, we, we picked those up freshman year. But he didn't. He listened. What if he hadn't? I think about that. What if he hadn't? What would God then not have done through him? What would he have missed? And those under his tutelage, what would they have missed? But he didn't. He listened. And I, um, <clears throat> I think that's amazing. So, okay, very often now, though, people in the Bible didn't listen. And it's probably a statement of the obvious, but the consequences of that are never good. By those not listening, we can take it back to Adam and Eve, can't we? God said, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat. God spoke those words to them. Presumably, uh, they heard but hearing, biblical hearing, biblical listening, is more than an auditory capacity. 
it's doing in accompaniment with that. So they sinned. They, they disobeyed God. They weren't, they weren't listening. And they went on to do their own thing, and we pay for that to this day. Even though God had spoken clearly, they listened to Satan. And then he listened to her. And the wheels came off and are still spinning. Adam and Eve didn't help us there. There's, a, there's an episode, there are a number of them. I've chosen a few. This one is in Numbers 14. <clears throat> you know the story because this is when the spies went out to the promised land to look it over. And what were the names of the two guys who trusted God as spies? Joshua and Caleb. What were the names of the ten who didn't? They're in the Bible. We just don't remember their names because they don't care. I mean, they don't matter. The ones who mattered were the ones who listened. In Numbers 14, um, God is not pleased in this chapter because the people voted and overwhelmingly opted not to go into the promised land. They didn't trust God. They, were, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go anywhere but into the promised land. And so um, God says, okay, we're going to, what's that old song from the 70s say? Uh, take another lap around Mount Sinai, 40 years in the wilderness. Well, they didn't so much like the thought of that either. And so they said, well, well wait a minute. Um, we'll go. We'll go. And Moses said, weren't you listening? God said, no, you're going into the wilderness for 40 years. No, 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 no. We'll go into Canaan now. And uh, toward the end of Numbers 14, uh, verse 39, uh, they rose up early, verse 40, and went up to the ridge of the hill, say, here we are. Let, we've, we sinned, but we'll go to the place the Lord has promised. Moses says, you're transgressing the commandment of the Lord. You're not listening. This isn't going to end well. My paraphrase. Do not go up. The Amalekites and the Canaanites will be there in front of you. You will fall by the sword inasmuch as you've turned back from following the Lord and the Lord will not be with you. But they went up heedlessly and the Amalekites and the Canaanites on cue came down, struck them and beat them down. They were listening. For my money, the most tragic episode, arguably, of not listening, the most the saddest, the most pathetic, perhaps not consequentially, maybe not, but it's a, it's a terrible episode in the 36th chapter of Jeremiah. Remember this, where it came about, I'll just read a few verses here in, at the beginning, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Take a scroll and write on it all the words which I have spoken to you concerning Israel and concerning Judah and concerning all the nations, from the day I first spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. This is a, a summary statement, a comprehensive document, all of God's words. And so they said, perhaps the house of Judah will hear all the calamity which I plan to bring on them in order that every man will turn from his evil way, then I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. Will they listen? So Jeremiah, just <clears throat> to, to abbreviate the story a little bit, they went to the temple, um, read the words of God, thought that it was significant enough to take to the king. And we need to read these things to the king. Well, 
say in verse, they told Jeremiah to hide in verse 19, and then they went to the king in the court in verse 20, and they had deposited the scroll <clears throat> in the chamber of Elishama, the scribe, and they reported all the words to the king. So the king sent Jehudai to get the scroll, and he took it out of the chamber of Elishama, the scribe, and he read it to the king, as well as to all the officials, and this is where it gets, to me, just tragic. Um, <clears throat> the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month, and a fire was burning in the brazier before him, and it came about when Jehudai had read three or four columns. The king cut it with a scribe's knife and threw it into the fire that was in the brazier, until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the brazier. Yet the king and all his servants who heard all these words were not afraid, nor did they rend their garments. Isn't that sad? Jeremiah goes to the trouble on the word of God and the command of God to write it all down, and they give the king a private audience. And he wouldn't listen. And of course, tragedy followed shortly for that southern kingdom of Judah. It's re reminiscent of when John the Baptist was arrested by Herod Antipas. And, and remember, the scripture tells us, the gospels tell us that, that Herod used to call for him, would summon him. He liked listening to him. What was John the Baptist's message? He talked about righteousness and the judgment to come. And oh, by the way, speaking of righteousness, you need to offload that wife you've got. She's not yours. It's interesting, isn't it? Of course, Antipas didn't listen. John the Baptist lost his head over that. And later, after Jesus had been arrested and he was about to be crucified, if you recall, <clears throat> Pilate sent him to be interviewed by Antipas. And the Bible tells us that Antipas was glad that he was coming because he'd wanted to meet him and, 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 and see him do some cool stuff. Maybe Jesus pull a rabbit out of a hat or something for Antipas and, and do a little miracle for him. But the text is very clear. Jesus didn't even speak to him. He wouldn't answer him. It's as if, it's as if Antipas, you've had your chance and you wouldn't listen. And now we're done. Jesus would not speak to him. In the book of Job, let's get a little bit personal. Job is a very personal book. In the book of Job, as you, under, you, you understand what's going on, Job didn't understand what was going on. We have, in a sense, a better understanding because we get the first couple chapters. And we realize what God has, has given the, uh, the devil latitude to do, and Satan has ruined Job's life. Taken everything except that wife who had other advice for him. In any event, his friends came from a distance, the Bible says. And, and we have to know that they really were his friends. It's easy to throw rocks at these guys, but they sat with him silently for seven days in, in mourning together with him, just, just commiserating silently with him uh, for seven days. They really were his friends. Now, their, their problem was their entire frame of reference was this world, this life. And, and they, they were under the mistaken impression that if you're a good person in life, this life, God will reward you. But if you're not, then God will get you. And so much of the conversation that, that transpired between Job and his friends had to do with this notion. Job saying, no, no, I really believe that, that I'm i got a clean slate with God. He's offering sacrifices regularly. He's, he's trusting God. And they're saying, oh, Job, that's not how God works. 
at one point in their conversation, and you can, you can sense as you read through the conversation in the book of Job, you can sense the, the growing exasperation on both parts, Job's and his friends. At one point, Job said that his friends were miserable comforters. As if you're, you're not listening to me. Give me, give me the, the respect and the benefit of just listening to me. Put aside for just a second your, your preconceived notions and, and hear me out. And then later in the book, Job bemoans, oh, that I had someone who would listen to me. That brings us, that brings us to us, at least for our purposes in chapel today. How often have you said or heard someone say, I'm just terrible with names. I, I just terrible with names. I, I can't remember anybody's name. And I, I've thought about that. I've known people, just a couple people. There used to be a teacher up at MDUP. I don't know if anyone here, is Dan Wheelinger here? Because he may have had him. This is going back to Terry Hall was his name. And Terry Hall had this amazing memory. And by noon, the first day, he had every, he knew every student by name. And all he did, this was in the days before the thoughtful folks at MDub would put a pictorial directory on the teacher's wall so that we can try to figure it out. Those of us who are normal could, <laughs> could try by Thursday, perhaps we'd get most of the names. This guy had them by noon. You think about that. That's the exception. Most of us go, don't remember that name. I have a theory. I have a theory, and it relates, I think, to Philippians 2, 3, and 4. See if you agree. Uh, my theory is the reason that most people struggle remembering the names of someone who, who they just meet is likely because <clears throat> we tend to be preoccupied, naturally preoccupied, with ourselves. We're just kind of, we're just kind of into ourselves. That's normal. That's part of the curse and the fall and the flesh and all that other. And so when it comes time to meet someone, to, in, to be introduced or something, uh, like in church when folks are telling each other their names in the foyer afterwards and all that kind of stuff, and honestly, I, I really have to try to focus on this uh, regularly. When that happens, though, because we're kind of self-absorbed by nature, we tend, I think, to be more concerned with how we, we are perceived. And we're thinking, how, how soon can we get this over with? Because this is a new person. I don't know this person. That makes me just slightly uncomfortable. Some people more so than others. And we're thinking of things other than what this person is, is relating to us. What is your name? And so it's easy for us to, to, to forget. We can easily fail to listen. It's, it's like default for most folks. And I find myself doing self-talk sometimes, saying, okay, okay, remember. And I've, sometimes I can, I can relate people's names to other people I know, and therefore I can remember them. And, and slowly, if I work at it, um, I'm, I can get there. I can get there. Um, I have uh, a friend named David Roper. Some of you may have heard of him, formerly pastored at Cole Community Church in Boise. And David Roper wrote this about a friend of his, he said, who 
has a way of, of showing up, he says, at, at, at noisy parties. And you know how that is, you're schmoozing. This is the schmooze scenario. And folks will ask him how he's doing. And on occasion, Roper says, this guy will reply quietly, uh, well, my, my business went belly up this week. Uh, the bank foreclosed on my house. My wife left me and I have terminal cancer. Wonderful, wonderful. One man murmured as he just wasn't, wasn't listening. And we got to wonder how culpable you and I might be here. So here, here's a, a shopping list for us. And with that, we'll, we'll wrap up our time. But some suggestions on how do I know when I'm not listening. And you may relate to this, um, perhaps. When I'm thinking about an answer, when someone else is talking, I'm not listening. When I give unsolicited advice, someone's you know, spilling their guts, pouring out problems, and, and you're ready with the solution, just poof, ready to jump. When I'm giving out unsolicited advice, I'm not listening. When I suggest that that other person shouldn't feel the way they do, I'm not listening. You ever thought about that? Oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Wait a minute, they are feeling that way. What does it matter if they should or they should not feel that way? Am I possibly really saying, I really wish you didn't feel that way right this close to me? Because that makes me just a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not listening. People are hurting, and, and, and we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And, and, and when the occasion is right, I think, offer the comfort wherewith we have been comforted by God previously, perhaps. But if I'm ready with the solution or if I'm ready to say they don't, shouldn't feel that way, I'm not listening. When I apply a quick fix, oh, just get out and get some air. I'm not listening. When I fail to acknowledge feelings. I'm not listening. All of these, it seems to me, are ways that we kind of pull back into ourselves. Maybe it's, it's, our, it's our safe place or something. When I fidget or glance at my watch or can't wait to get out of the room and appear to be rushed, well, I'm likely not listening. When I fail to maintain eye contact, perhaps I'm not listening. When I don't ask follow-up questions, perhaps I'm just interested in, in you know, moving this thing along. And if you ask follow-up questions, that means you're going to get more conversation, and that means you're going to take more time, and that means there's going to be more of a drain of your own emotional energy. But now we've forgotten Philippians 2, 3, and 4, haven't we? Someone, God sovereignly has brought someone into my life. Does he not want me for the moment to consider that person more significant than me and to listen? Someone calls this ministry of presence. And I think there's some truth to that. When I top their story with a bigger, better story of my own, Oh, yeah, I remember when that happened to me. And it, well, I'm not listening. When they share a difficult experience 
And I have had a more difficult experience, and I share that instantly. I'm not listening. Listening is simple, but it's not easy. Listening involves deliberately, I think, intentionally. I don't think this is natural, at least not to me. It's, I, I don't know of anyone who really is natural too, but intentionally blocking out, intentionally focusing, intentionally paying attention to the person who's in front of us, talking. And by the way, if, you're, if you are headed for a preaching um, vocation or something, preachers are the worst because preachers are trained to talk to fix things. And really, uh, counselors often say 90% of counseling is just learning how to listen well and, and allowing someone to talk and to listen, to speak honestly and openly and to listen uh, carefully, attentively, and lovingly, and, and when appropriate, offer suggestions. Listening means I, I have to s slow down. Listening means I have to maybe adjust my schedule. Listening means I have to be determined to treat other people with dignity and uh, acknowledging their importance. Um, I'll wrap this up with a quote by Winnie the Pooh. Roper notes, I'll get to Winnie the Pooh in just a second, but, but Roper notes that even if we learn to listen well, it doesn't necessarily mean anybody else is going to. This is, this is kind of like a solo thing. Um, we went, <laughs> Mary and I went to these people's house one time for supper, pastor and his wife, and um, come on over to our house for supper, they said. We want to get to know you. Well, that's nice. You know, we're kind of boring, so it shouldn't be a long visit. But that's really nice of you to invite us over to get to know us. We went to their home, ate good food, and listened the entire evening to them talking about themselves. They never once asked us anything about anything to do with us. And when we left that night, got in the car, we both were thinking the same thing. They didn't get to know us very well, did they? <laughs> but oh my, did we get to know them. <laughs> Be patient, Winnie the Pooh says. If people don't listen, it may be that they have a small piece of fluff or gauze in their ear. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we know that learning to listen won't get you to like us better. But we, as we reflect upon what a, an amazing listener you are, and that you, by your spirit, now live in us, Father, we want to represent you well. Would you, would you help us cultivate that? Would you show us how it was that even as Jesus put others first, that we can do that too by his grace. And help us, Lord, be, be good listeners. And Lord, would you use that not only for us here in this room, in our immediate circles, to encourage one another and to build one another up, but would you use good listening on our part by your grace to attract the lost to the God who listens so well. We pray in your son's name and thank you, Lord.
Amen.